Sports by Fry fans. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. Coming at you on Easter Monday evening. Hope everyone had a fantastic, well-earned break. Plenty of uh, bits and pieces that JLo and I covered in today's pod. It is Monday night, so just because it's Easter doesn't mean that we deviate from the usual schedule. We looked at each of the eight first-round series in the NBA, dissecting the West first, and then a bit of stuff in the East. I was very surprised uh, with the fact that the T-Wolves and a few other teams managed to claim Game 1. So we dissected whether we thought the winners of Game 1 were going to continue their winning ways and take out the first-round series. Uh, Full disclosure, I don't think the Chicago Bulls will be putting up a fight against the Bucks, but I might have been wrong in predicting a sweep. I then provided JLo, as per usual, with a couple of useless stats, and we covered plenty of stuff around the association and dove into the AFL after that. Same deal, we played buy and sell, looking at the teams who climbed into the top eight that weren't there last year, and the ones who were sitting on the outside looking in, and if they can climb back to relevance. New batch of GPPs just dropped as well. There's 49 fantasy players who added another position. Most of them are relevant, some of them relevant in draft, and a lot of rookies who I thought adding an extra position does give coaches a lot more flexibility come times of trades. We talked about two grab Tabernar, Kevin Love, Ben Hobbs, plenty in this podcast, so let's not waste any further time. Let's dive right in. The boys are back. Monday evening means it's time to sit down and podcast. Easter weekend is in the books. Couple chockies, couple red wines, couple uh, couple good times. How was your Easter weekend, JLo? I've only had a few chockies. Uh, been pretty, you know, pretty measured uh, with uh, round one for us coming up. So uh, yeah, it was very laid back, mate. Very laid back. Had a pretty big Saturday. Uh, like lunch and then felt like nice. crap all that night. So I've just taken it easy on Sunday and I spent a day gardening. So fantastic oh, you stuff. It off. Sweet. You're in uh, in prime position. Yeah. Local footy kicks off, yeah. which is, uh, you know, the sports by fry podcast covers a lot of NBA and a lot of AFL, but get ready for your weekly GSFL update. Cause it's coming thick. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> yeah. Bloody. Uh... Uh... How was yours? <laughs> yeah. Same, same. Couple jockeys, like I said, couple red wines near the fire. Made whilst camping, felt very, uh, very wholesome. Yeah, if, if we were doing this as a YouTube video, I can see the red wine on your lips right now, mate. They're all stained. Yeah, yeah. yeah so sure anyway, we'll, we'll get onto that sometime out. soon, and people will be able to see. Yeah, people will be able to see how much of an alcoholic you are. So every one of these has got a beer in hand. I swear. I swear, listeners, he's, he doesn't work very hard. There's plenty of water and vodka uh, sitting in that glass that's next to the laptop. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I'll be honest, as a Fremantle Dockers and a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, I've got plenty of reasons to drink and have had in the past. And the uh, mm. Cavs haven't really instilled me with uh, a lot of confidence going into the playing games. I was hopeful. I had glass half full. Uh, view as you and I have both talked about previously but the boys couldn't get it done we'll talk about basketball first I don't want to spend too long uh belaboring the Cavs season but I'm still happy yeah it's like if you had told me we'd be fighting for the eight seed in our last game of the year 
I wouldn't have been too depressed. I, I reckon if you told people their record or told you their record, you'd have been happy. Mm. But I like we've sort of said in a few weeks, in the last few weeks, I think the fact that they were like doing so well and then, you know, fell off a cliff. I, I just worry if that's a, a bit of a back step and maybe a mental thing. But you know what? It was a good season for you guys. Let's stay on the optimistic track. Got great stuff out of Garland. Mobley was probably better than advertised. Jared Allen was an all-star. Larry Markinen fit in well. You guys had a weird list and it all it sort of came together in this weird way. Who's your coach, Bicker Stuff? Yeah. Yeah, it deserves a lot of credit. So, um, yep, it was a good season for the Cavs. bit worried about the ending, but we'll move past that. The three, we'll get into the postseason uh, matchups in a bit in a bit. But uh, the three Coach of the Year finalists were Eric Spolstra, Taylor Jenkins from the Grizz, understandably, and Monty Williams. And I was, mm. I was a bit bummed that Bickerstaff didn't make it, although I don't know which out of those trio I would have withdrawn from the finalists, if that makes sense. Yeah, so who is Jenkins is a Grizz. Yep. And who's Spolstra the other one? at the Heat. And then Monty Williams, obviously. Bolstra. That's some bullshit. That's some bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Take Bolstra out of there. He doesn't. He doesn't deserve a look in, mate. He's the one I would have if I was choosing individually, to be honest. But I mean, considering how many times they had their best players on offer, like they, I reckon we talked about Golden State playing eleven minutes with like Clay, Draymond, and Steph. I don't sure. know if Jimmy Butler, Bam, and Kyle Lowry played more than like 11 games together. So, you know, they had their own issues. Yeah. Bo is a pretty good coach. So I can see it. Winning the He's a good coach. I think Bickerstaff should have been a finalist over yeah. Spo. But you know what? Whatever. So should a kid. Kid should have been there as well. So deserve some credit. That's for sure. I think, uh, <clears throat> I think Monty Williams will probably win it. But Taylor Jenkins probably deserves will. to. Yeah. They'll probably get it for uh, their exploits. Let's start with the Phoenix Suns. We're going to play a bit of uh, buy and sell at the moment. So we're going to look at each postseason series where every team is uh, currently, well, not every team, but every series is currently sitting at 1-0. And we're going to kind of buy the team that's one up or obviously sell their position. So we'll start with the Phoenix Suns. No one's surprised to see the fact that they're leading the Pels. Pretty interesting game. I did watch couple of the highlights and watched uh, CJ and Larry Nance go about their business. Valentunas dominated as well, but I don't think anyone will be buying Pell stock if it is actually for sale. No. I guess the yep, only question I'm is uh, definitely with four you. or five games. <clears throat> they'll sweep. I think the, the Suns are legit. They'll sweep. Um, they'll probably even get the chance to rest Chris Paul or Booker, I reckon. I watched... Uh, That's my take, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, Spicy. like I said, there's, there's not a lot to talk about, right? Like, Although I was surprised. Not for that had 25 boards today. Wow. That might be like a franchise record or something. Franchise postseason record or something for sure. But Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The first, <clears throat> first couple of minutes of the game I was watching with that one, Devin Booker was just like getting to his spots. I think he had eight points in the first like four or five minutes. And then they had about a nine-point lead. They held that for most of the time. And then they went on another, like, 12-0 run. 
earlier in the second and then it was pretty much game over. So feel good story that so, the Hells did make it, but So who will the Sun see in round two? Is it Grizzlies Wolves? Uh nah, as it's slated at the moment, they'll get the winner of the four five, which is Dallas, Utah. So almost like perfect scenario for them, right? Well, I, I'm not so sure because if they just have a walk, like if they just walk over New Orleans mm. and don't have a, a what you know, I'm saying inverted commas a playoff series. Yeah, they just have a pretty cruisy series. You wonder if that's going to go against them a little bit. Like they're a phenomenal outfit. They're deep. They're well coached. Great players. Well led by the you know their leading players. But I do want wonder if it will. Sort of bite them in game one and two of that. If with whether they get Dallas or Utah, you know they're playoff teams and they're going to bring it. Especially like defensively, they're really going to bring it and sort of cause some issues and cause some adjustments. And I wonder if the Pels are going to prime the Suns at all. You know, like especially if they're sort of you know smiling and joking and shit talking a little bit. You know, anyway. So I do just wonder Good if that point. might. Might hurt the Suns in a in a little way, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. I mean, I'll be honest. Like any other team, I'd be like, yeah, that that might actually be an issue. But I feel like Phoenix is. I don't think there's distance between them and the field, but I almost feel like there's distance between them and the field. You know what I mean? Like they're on the mm. cusp of, I reckon, going on like a pretty not historic, but a big surge to the playoffs winning every series in like five or six games and like avenging their loss last year in the finals. I wouldn't be surprised if they went on like, yeah, let's say 16 and four, 16 and five run through the playoffs. So that wouldn't honestly shock me the way they played this year, but yep. you do make a good point. Like Utah and Dallas seem like they're going to slug it out. I reckon that one might even go seven, especially with Luca like yeah. up and down. Um, let's dive into that one. Depends if Luca's like, in. That's obviously the whole like, Hint, the whole X factor over the entire series, right? Is what's up with Luca's calf. So, miss this game one. Probably going to miss uh, game two. It seems Utah's one up at the moment, but I'm not full of confidence in Utah. And I reckon if they lose this series, it probably is the end of the Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert tandem. So there's a lot on the line. For oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I think definitely. I think it's important. Like, it's worth noting how well, um, not Utah, Dallas did without Luca anyway. You know, that is a fucking no one, really. With no Luca, they have no one. And they still, how many, like, I have to look at the scores in that one. What was the box score? Like, what was the score? Well, Utah won by six points. Donnie had his like 30 odd, but. Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson both like dominated the shots, but neither of them shot like super well. Um, Dinwiddie was yeah. six of fifteen. Brunson was nine of twenty-four. Both of them had twenty plus. But you're right; like they only played they're eight great, dudes. They're a great defensive team, and if you keep Utah under a hundred, you can win any game. You keep any team in the playoffs under a hundred, you can win that game. Mm. And so, yeah, I, it, it does depend on Luca. But if Luca's back, I would just have them walking all over the Jazz. To be honest, their defense is phenomenal. They're playing. They've just got a. They've got one star and role players, and they all know their roles and they play them well. So, yeah, I, I like the the Mavs if Luca's back. You kind of forget that 
Dallas is missing um, Tim Hardaway as well, who's like not exactly an all-star, but he's a pretty handy player. Would be their second or third best player in that seat for Dallas, probably. Definitely scoring-wise. Yeah. So like they had Utah had um, Boyan Bogdanovich drop twenty-six as well. Like he won't average that mm. a whole series. I reckon that one could yeah legitimately go seven and go down to the wire. Um, and it yep. do, a lot does hinge on what the deal is with old mate Luca. So Utah's up 1-0. Are you buying the Jazz keeping that lead and like winning out the series? Or do you reckon Dallas will put Rudy it? Rudy Gobert took one shot. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I was going to get to that because there's a second portion of this uh, Dallas and Utah chat. <laughs> Man, like they weren't like lying when they said Donovan Mitchell does not pass to Rudy Gobert. Like, no wonder they hate playing together or he hates. Yeah, there's a bloke who averages 70%, you know. But maybe I I didn't watch that game. So maybe it was Dallas doing a really good job of protecting the ring and uh, rim. And yeah, anyway, uh, they're a mess and they're going to fall apart after this playoffs. They're not going to win at all. Let's be honest. This will be the last time we see this jazz outfit. Um, but Matt, you know, if if Luca doesn't come back, they might get to the second round and then just get whooped by the Suns, like absolutely trounced. So, mm, if you're uh, if you're running the Jazz or you're like someone of power in that franchise, you'd almost rather like bow out in a hotly contested seven game first round series against Dallas rather than scraping through and then getting absolutely waxed by Phoenix. Yeah, it's easier to blow it up. People, No one's going to be like, oh, what the hell, man? You guys made the second round. This is like, oh, yeah, fucking just get this going. Get rid of Donnie or get rid of whoever. Uh, this is a mess. And it is a mess. It is a bit. While we're on the uh, Utah uh, chat, if you were, let's say you're a rival NBA franchise and you can try and pry away Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell, which one are you probably going after? Because like we just said, Rudy obviously only had one shot in game one, which is pretty uh, like an obscure stat line. But he did have 17 boards, a couple of blocks, and he, he'll probably win Defensive Player of the Year again, I reckon. I don't know if he deserves it. There's a lot of contenders in that mix. But which one would you rather be like, right, he's going to be the, the, not necessarily cornerstone, but one of the massive building blocks in my franchise? Oh, look, I would probably say Donny Mitchell. Um, but it's a, it probably depends on the situation. Like Rudy Gobert would fit in really nicely in a lot of situations. Like imagine if the um, Nuggets could just grab Rudy Gobert. Be like, I know it's a bit of a weird height thing, but, you know, Jokic, don't worry about defense. Like you just do your thing, like rest on that end of the foot. So there's a lot of, lot of teams that would love to get both of them. I've heard that um, Donnie's going to go to the Knicks. Mm, a lot of buzz and around just that. and just be a garbage player for the rest of his life. You know, he'll get lots of all stars on the Knicks, but he's going to do what Amari Stoudemire did, and like you're not going to win much, and oh, you're just going to just where people go to die. All stars go to die. You know, you just want money and and um, glitz and glam if you go to the Knicks, really. So I didn't answer the question. Probably Donnie. Probably Donnie. I think so, Donnie, as well. Like, make no mistake, Rudy Gobert is like a very quintessential, like important part of their success and is arguably the most impactful 
defensive player in the NBA. But like, yeah. I think you can just harbor it back to what we highlighted in the box score. Like the dude took one shot. He hasn't averaged over what, like 15 points in his career in any season. Maybe he's done 16 mm. or 17 once or twice. If you've got a center like that, who's that great defensively, I feel like you need just like a bit more, even if it's like as a lob threat or something, just having him consistently. You said before he shot 70% throughout the year. That's like, a system thing like though. Mm. Like lob threats. That's, you know, it's like, what is the offense like? And are they getting like, Donnie Mitchell should be lobbing it to him, but he's not like <clears throat> a lot of, Donnie, I don't know. This year has made me, I've always loved Donnie Mitchell. I've always, he's like, seems like one of those guys who like, he's a gym rat and works really hard at his craft, but, I'm just like, what What gives, dude? Like, they have a good team, got a great coach, good culture, great home court advantage. I just don't – I don't understand. I don't get it, Donnie. So, anyway. Let's be honest. Like, if you were to take – Marcus Smart is just quietly is currently leading the Defensive Player of the Year votes of the 38% that have come in. Oh, true. Yeah, right. Yep. He's a – he's – Sort of doubled Rudy. Yeah, okay. I was going to... Is Rudy second still? Only, like, by three votes over Mikhail Bridges. Okay. Yeah. I mean, for what again, it's worth. the field for that one's pretty wide open. Um, yeah. And I think we've really... I think people just don't want to vote for him. Yeah, right. Well, he's got, what, three of them, four of them in the last, like, Two five or three. years. Yeah. 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 Uh, good luck, uh, HR Jazz. Good luck unpacking that that mess. Yeah, have fun, Dwayne Wade. Speaking of uh, dominant defensive centers, Carl Anthony Towns and the Minnesota Timberwolves took game one off the Grizz. I don't think a lot of people saw that one coming. Uh, personally, no, you know uh, what? It doesn't surprise me. Oh, uh, it's not a huge shock, right? Like they're a pretty that's that's actually a pretty fun, exciting series because it's just two like young squads. I mean, the Grizz are obviously favoured and have the best player in the series, but I could probably make the argument for the fact that the T-Wolves have like the second and third and maybe even fourth best with D'Angelo Russell. Like it's pretty pretty even both ways. Um, yeah, and yeah. I, just, I also think um, the Grizzlies are going to struggle to defend a good offensive centre. Like I like Stephen Adams. Jaron Jackson's a good defender. Like, um, in his own ways, but he's not like a dominant lockdown. He can't lock down a post. She's a three-level scoring threat, let's be honest, Kat. Like, Jaron Jackson and um, Stephen Adams just don't have, the, don't have the juice for that. So, I actually, yeah. I could see the um, Grizzlies going down in this one in seven or something. But, um, yeah, I think the Wolves are plucky. They're plucky. Mm, good use of plucky. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what they are. I uh, I kind of crapped all over Carl Anthony Towns in the fr- the Good Friday episode that I did because I just finished watching the playing game with Pat Bev okay. jumping on the scorer's table and going nuts. But that might have been the worst I've ever seen Carl Anthony Towns play. Like fouled out, went like two of 13 shooting, played like 20 minutes, 11 points. And it was just like, dumb fouls like over the back for loose rebounds like offensive fouls and i was like this dude's like self-combusting right before our eyes so yeah he does that i think i think for them to succeed Ant edwards has kind of got to be the like 
the Batman and he's going to be Robin, if that makes sense. Maybe not this series, yeah. but moving forward. But Cat is a real big, not even X factor, but he will be like the swinging point for that series. The wild card. Yeah. If he pops off, agreed. I reckon they've got the, the talent and the the dudes. Like they're not, they haven't probably got a ton of shine and no one really expected them to make the playoffs. But like D'Angelo Russell's a, a good heat check bloke. Like he can get you 25. He's been an all-star. Yeah, he has been an all-star before. That is a, a dead set fact. Vanderbilt, Their bench is good. Um, who else they got in the pine? I'm trying to think. Oh, they got Nas Reed, John McLaughlin, Malik Beasley, and um, Dorian Prince. Check, dude. Yeah, Prince is good. I like Prince. Is that where he ended up? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's where he is. Yeah. Yeah. And there's one other young fella who sort of probably won't play in the playoffs, but he I forget who what his name is, but he's just oh, and Vanderbilt's pretty solid as at his role. Like I, I quite like the Wolves, and I. I, I just am not sold on the Grizz. Like when the Nuggets played them maybe, what, two games before the playoffs and there was no judge. They still had everyone else play and the Nuggets just whooped them. Like yeah, right. did whatever they wanted. So I wonder I wonder if they've got the – they've got it. And I, and you know what? They're better without Jar. And I, I don't know. I don't know. That would be a good series. Not. Yeah, so what what do you reckon? Let's no. gun to your head. T-Wolves or Grizz? T-Wolves have the 1-0 lead and have stolen home court, in quotation marks, briefly, but do you reckon they're holding it out? I I would go Wolves in seven, honestly. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm just not sold on the Grizz. There's, it's their first playoffs, man. Yeah, they, they got knocked out in a play-in game last year, right? The Grizz? Oh, did they maybe make it and just get whooped? I can't remember. I, th- I think, actually, now that I'm saying that out loud, I think they snuck into the eight and then got pantsed by Utah. And, like, Jar had a 40-point a game in one of the... Anyway. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, still, yeah. though. It's still essentially their first playoffs. Very interesting series, for sure. Uh, much like the Nugs and the Golden State Warriors, there was a lot of confidence being... Uh, put into the ether this time last week about the Denver Nuggets hopes one game into the series is still hoping that the boys can get the job done and advance to round two. I was hoping Steph wouldn't be there. Um, yeah. They so, kept it pretty quiet, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, am I confident? Confident would not be the word that I would use. Uh, there's still, you know, it's a, it's a, the Nuggets have been here before. I think that's one of the things that I'm kind of, it's giving me a little bit of not hope, but a little bit of I don't know. Don't know what the word optimism, is, but yeah, yeah, a little bit of optimism. The Nuggets know what it's like to be down to a team who's like heavily favoured and hot. And um, I also am a bit buoyed, 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 buoyed um, by the fact that Jordan Poole isn't doing that every game. Well, I don't think he will. We've got no one to guard him, but I don't think he's going to average thirty. So, I'd agree with if you sort of. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, I agree. I don't reckon the bloke's going to average 30, but that is really, I think, where the series will be won or lost. Like, Jokic probably could have had another, let's give him another eight points. So he had like 25, I think. But if he averages like 33 to 38 for the series, I wouldn't be surprised with like 14 boards and six or seven assists. But it'll come down to how much the dubs 
splash bros or splash trio of bros get slowed down now that Steph's back. Like you throw in Monte Morris at him, who's fine. You got like some other boys. Will Barton's a solid defender as well. But when you got Bones Highland as well, probably deserves a bit of credit. But yeah, Austin Rivers doesn't really excite me. Like it's pretty, pretty. He's tough a good him. defender though. That's the True. he's the True. one guy. He's the actual good defender that we have on the perimeter to throw at those guys. And I thought he did a pretty good job on Steph for most of you know. Steph didn't really get going. He he did look rusty. So I'm hoping like. And just steal this next one while Steph's still a bit rusty. Yeah. And I, I think what everyone was sort of saying in, in the presser, the Nuggets, they're like, well, we all have to be better. And so at least it wasn't like Aaron Gordon was horrendous. At least it wasn't just Aaron Gordon and people were like, come on, man, like you got to step up. It was kind of like as a team defensively and sort of even offensively got to be better. So I, I don't know. that. This was always going to be one of those series where it's going to be someone punches and then, mm. you know, the other side counters and there's all that. It's going to be a real coaches series, I think. Um, but, yeah, look, it, I probably, if you put a gun to my head, I would pick the, the Warriors. And I think they look pretty dangerous um, going forward too. I think a big factor in that first game as well was like their crowd was going nuts. Like kind mm. of you take a bit of grain of salt with like, oh, how much does home crowd matter? But historically for probably the last like decade, they've been one of the like most loyal, loud, like in your face, especially when it comes postseason time, like fan bases. What's quite interesting though is um, I was listening to the Harrison Wind, the Nuggets beat writer who was there. And he sort of said like he expected the crowd to be like overwhelming and the Nuggets to just be like, how can we win here? Like, but he reckons that actually, if you when you were there, it actually wasn't that bad. So um, it looked on the telecast, it looked and sounded crazy. But actually, he reckons like Chase Center wasn't like an unwinnable environment, if yeah, that makes okay. sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they are the th- but three seeds. I'll still like, take the Warriors. Yeah, they're not the they're not the Suns. Like they're not the reigning champs in Milwaukee. Like they're they're beatable for sure. And especially if, like you said, Steph Curry's still a bit rusty you manage to level the series after four and then pinch game five on their home court. Like anything could happen in the playoffs. Clay goes cold. Like yeah. he's, he's hit a bit of form down the end stretch of the regular season, but you know, like the dudes played what 40, 50 games of basketball yeah. in the last 18 months, two years. So yeah. Interesting. Goals. And there's think- the, Oh, sorry. The last thing I was going to say is the, probably the best player in the world at, seeing things like a, an offense or a defense and figuring them out is Nicole Hitch. And so he's got at least three more games to see what Draymond and Kevon Looney and the rest of the Warriors throw at him and he will slowly start to piece it together. So we'll see. I, I still think we're in trouble though. You got the MVP in your team though, you know, he should get you. Two time. Two time. Two time. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, no offense to Giannis Antetokounmpo who, as we turn our attention to the East, uh, I think I might have been a bit hasty in my call of the Bucks are going to sweep the Bulls. They got the win in game one over Chicago. But DeRozan shot like mud. I can't remember his exact line, but it was like pretty fucking awful, if not like the worst he shot in the postseason. So that's not going to happen every time. Obviously, not having Longzo does hurt them as well. And 
I don't need to tell you how I haven't been a believer in the Bulls all year. But I wouldn't be surprised if they made a bit of noise and made this an interesting series. Like they've got Levine, DeRozan, Vucevic, like you said before, who are three like virtual all-stars in like different positions as well to throw a lot of uh, challenges at the Bucks. But I don't think that they're going to pull off an upset. I reckon they'll pinch one or two, but I think Milwaukee will probably cruise through this matchup as well. Hey, what though? Like Chicago's defense held him in good stead because no one on the whole roster shot better than 50%. It's pretty telling, eh? Only two people, Kobe White, who shot 10 shots, and Tristan Thompson, who shot two. The rest were like Caruso was 42, Levine was 31, Vooch was 33, DeRozan was 24. So that's going to revert to average a little bit it's moving back towards the mean so man i, I don't know i i will take the bucks i definitely don't think they're sweeping and i think i think this will be a good long series this might be a classic playoff series i think i think they're division rivals aren't they yeah for sure uh with yep. mighty cavalry it's gonna be a yeah gonna be a really good division battle and i think this that might be a series we remember for a while like there'll be Games like that one that are, you know, defensive shootouts or, you know, what's <laughs> defensive yeah, no, uh, no, no, battles, slugfests. <laughs> yeah, defensive slugfests. And there'll be offensive shootouts when all the stars are clicking. Um, I think that'll be a really good series. And I, I'll take the bucks, but I've got a lot of belief in Chicago. And actually, I would like Chicago to come out of the East. They, they, if I could have anyone, it would be them. Would it be surprised if the Bulls were the team that, you know, they got to they got to pay their dues first, right? They they don't have Lonzo at the moment. They were banged up throughout the year. Wouldn't shock me if they were the team that like went on a surge to the finals and won the East next year. But I can't see them pipping Milwaukee. Like there weren't a lot of factors that went in their favor with regards to shooting wise. Like looked like a fucking '90s playoffs game that box score. Like both yeah. teams shooting roughly forty percent. And that who knows that might be what we get throughout the whole series, but I think the Bucks have too much firepower. Middleton also didn't play great, so there's plenty of positives to take from both sides moving into Game Two. But I think Milwaukee's obviously pretty battle tested, and they, they again might not sweep, but they should make pretty light work of the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I, the one thing I would say back is like remember like all their good players are battle tested and hardened mm. you know like DeRozan's been in the league for more than 10 years Levine's probably getting close to 10 which is pretty scary to say um Vooch is the same you know so there's only a few guys and that and like Caruso's got a chip doesn't he does yep bubble championship so you know they most of them know what it's like um DeRozan's been there plenty of times with the Raptors so I see what you're saying, and I, I also think the Bucks, but I think this will be a good series. I think it'll be a good long series, um, and I'm excited to see how Chicago bounce back. Game two, like if they get, if they lose and get beaten comprehensively, then I'll switch onto your your little uh, shtick. But I, I think they might. It'll be a good series either way. Anyway, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, this isn't your useless sports by fry stat of the night. I've got another one stashed in me back pocket, but. Chicago yeah. Bulls were 14 and 27 against the 16 or the 15 other teams that made the playoffs this year. Uh, they haven't beat Milwaukee mm. all year. 
So okay. It'll be yeah. interesting. I think, yeah, game two is going to be very important, uh, much like it'll be in the 76ers Toronto series because before the series, I was all in on the wraps. So I was like, yep, they're going to cause the upset. James Harden's going to have one of his fantastically famous shit-to-bed moments. But I was made to eat humble pie after game one. Tyrese Maxey had his coming-out party, had 36, I think, in the first three quarters. And it looks like, rolling into game two, Gary Trent, Scotty Barnes, and Thaddeus Young are going to be missing for the Raptors. So is there any chance that Toronto still makes this a competitive series? What's the story with Barnes and Gary? So Embiid landed on Scotty Barnes's foot, and he's day-to-day, but uh, Nick Nurse in their most recent presser said it's not looking promising for any of those three dudes I mentioned to play in game two. Um, They might be back game three, but it's a bit, up in the air, like I said, they're day to day, and it doesn't seem like, regardless of if they do gear up for game three, if they're in a 2 0 hole in Toronto, uh, Philadelphia just wipes the floor with them. I don't know how well, like, Toronto can rebound, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I've got a Scotty Barnes is young, so mm. hopefully he can bounce back. Um, they're big emissions, but. If you look at the box score, Embiid shot like crap. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is goes back to that length, you know, argu- or I don't know if it's an argument or the fact that we've been sort of belaboring over the last few weeks. So I think they, he's, they're going to give him a lot of trouble. Oh, you can, there's no way Maxi shoots 66% for the series and drops. He's, he's not going to drop 38 again. Like he's just peaked. In the series, uh, probably he's a good little player, but you know, probably come on, fair. yeah. And then Jimmy Harden just did. Jimmy Harden did exactly what he's been doing all year: six of 35 percent. You know, so I, I, I'm with those injuries are a worry, but I think Toronto, their system actually pretty much did what it, you know, was billed to be offensively: hundred and eleven points. You know, Pascal scored 20. Everyone else had teens and tens. I'm, I'm really just not sold on the sixes. And I think they're going to give Embiid a lot of issues. And as Embiid, the sixes go as Embiid goes. And so I think this is going to be another cracking series. I, the injuries are a worry. Um, but you know what? Like, that's if Scotty Barnes only misses one game. Gary Trent Jr. has been a bit in and out all year. So they've kind of done it without him. And they haven't lost anything. Like, they're not meant to win these first two anyway. So they're going to go up to Toronto where they'll have a, a raucous crowd. Um, Bible won't be able to play, I think. I'm assuming that's still sort of the situation. And then, yep. I don't know. I just think, I think probably now after that game one, you'd take the sixes, but. I still think there's that this one's not over as far as I'm concerned. Did you see the uh, Jalen Rose bit when he said that James Harden's yeah. shooting things look like tour dates? The tour dates. Yeah, man. It's And it's dead right. He's, it's he's so spot funny. on. That, man, it's so funny. Yeah, he's just lost it. Yeah, I hope those raps blokes, if they miss game two, it's going to happen. But like, even if they fall in a 2-0 hole, I hope that they're there for game three, like you said, in front of a rabid uh, 
Toronto crowd. We know how vocal the Raptors can get. So that'd be sick if they were able to turn that into a series. I've got high hopes. And let's still. be honest. We know that Embiid can't play 37 minutes. No, he played 37 minutes. He can't do that for seven straight games. Like he, he's just unfit and he's, he just doesn't have it in him. So he's going to wear down over this series as well. And he shot like crap already. Like he's already having issues against this long defense and he's going to go downhill. So uh, Nick Nurse is a hell of a coach as well. So uh, I don't know. This It's hard to tell this one. This is a bit of a, a you know a coin toss, coin flip, but um, it's not over as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, game two of this series, I don't know if like, like I said, without those dudes, if it's really worth like looking into too much, but I will be very yeah. interested to watch how some of those dudes like your Kim Birches and Chris Boucher's and Siakam's of the world, like how they defend Embiid. And if he, yeah, struggles again and can't get it going, then they might have a small window. And who knows? They win two games at home. It's back to 2-2. Anything can happen. So Exactly. Yep. Uh, I won't spend too long talking about the Miami Heat and the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, interesting facts. Trey Young had his literal worst shooting game oh. of his career in game one. He, he hit one shot. Is that right? I think so. I think he's one of 12 from memory. Yeah. Uh, and Duncan Robinson just wound back the clock uh, 12 months. Nine of 10, he went from behind the arc from memory. Wow. I don't have the box score in front of me, but I remember reading that he had 10 contested threes, like hand right up in your jersey, and he hit nine That's... of them. So I'm like, that bloke hasn't done that all season. So good luck trying to replicate yeah. that. Um, yeah, he went nine of 10. Is there any chance Atlanta turns this into a series? Oh, absolutely. I, I think Atlanta just like Trey Young lives for the moment. You couldn't tell by game one, but he really does like he's a big time player. And we saw that last season. Um, I think they, you know, that's not happening again for Trey and he'll figure it out a bit. Um, I, I would have picked Miami going in, but I reckon the Hawks was about as bad of a matchup as they could have got out of the plane. And I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of faith in Miami. Like they've got some internal issues and Jimmy Butler's a baller. Like, don't get me wrong. But like you say, Duncan's not doing that. Other than Duncan, their bench was crap and the starters weren't great. So I don't know. I, I, I think Miami win, but probably a good six game series. Yeah. I was pretty surprised to see that um, Victor Oladipo didn't get any minutes. Like, Man, weird. I don't know. He, they must just be really cautious of the quad. Pour one out for Vico. Maybe they're like ho- holding him back a bit for later in the playoffs. Like, mm, let's be sense. honest. Like, if you play, you got to probably play twenty games if you're going to win the chip. Probably more. Someone's going to go down. Like it's basketball, you know. Like yeah. so, you got to have something in the back back pocket. They got a lot of guards too. A lot of guards. True. So do the uh, the Brooklyn Nets. They have some uh, high powered guards. They're currently without. Oh, actually, before we tangent, Clint Capella, he's uh, injured mm. his knee, obviously against the Cavs in the playing game. He's going to be assessed. I think they said next week. So Bam Adebayo really didn't capitalize in game one. And like we said, there was a lot of like interesting things that happened that we probably don't expect to happen again. But 
that's one that I'll be watching is like the rebounding battle and seeing if they can get a bit of ascendancy inside the paint and just dominate yeah. the Hawks. But he's mm. a big out for them. So big time. Uh, yeah, the Brooklyn Nets, like I said, another guard heavy team. We saw their best guard drop 39, about half of that in the fourth quarter. Do you watch any of that game? I didn't get to catch it, unfortunately. It looked like a, a smoke show. Like, a really, like we've sort of been saying, like it's going to be a ripper series. Yeah. So you were saying that you reckon the Bucks and Bulls might be an all-timer. I reckon this one's going seven and it's all maybe six, but it's going to just be like, like that. Remember that Celtics Bulls series like seven, yeah. eight years ago? Yeah. I reckon we're in for like something like that. Couple overtime games. Someone's having 45. Tatum had a fucking first game winner, a buzzer beating game winner of his career. Like, yeah, we're in for some serious shit in this series. I reckon this will be very exciting to watch. Yeah, that's going to easily be the pick of the first round, I reckon. And uh, there's going to be some good series, but I reckon that's going to be a a barn burn. Just like so much offense on both sides. As good as... I mean, Boston need to do better defensively to win that series. Like, you can't have... Did they, the Nets have 117 points? Is that right? Mm, about that. Something like that. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, 117, 118, or whatever it was. Like the if they're going to win that, they can't let Brooklyn score that much because there will be nights where J- Jason Tatum's the guy who'll go out one night and give you a shoot sixty percent and score thirty, but he he can drop down to that thirty percent from the field mark very quickly. Yeah, and they need him to play well, like and he did. But uh, I've got a lot of worries. Brook, um, Boston should be really worried, as worried as the Nuggets are right now, I think. Yeah, Tatum had uh, he played 45 minutes as well, which is pretty telling. They played mm. virtually seven dudes all game. So, And that's without Rob Williams. Like You throw him back in the mix. I'm expecting, I'll be honest, I think Boston's going to win. Um, I'm expecting this series to go the whole distance, but Brooklyn will need cameos. Like They got a solid night from Nick Claxton. Same from Goran Dragic. Kyrie nearly had 40. Durant had his, like, pencil him in for his 27 to 35 each night. But they probably need two to three dudes to step up each game, Brooklyn do. And I don't know, I don't think consistently they can find anyone that's going to do it. But I don't know if they're going to have enough firepower to, outside those big two, really keep up with Boston. I mean, they're arguably the form team in the second half of the year, but... Yeah, it'll be, like I said, an absolute barn burner. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the best series we get for the entire postseason. But there's a lot is, to... Is uh, Al Horford going to score 20... Is Al Horford going to average 20 and 15 for the series? I don't reckon Al Horford will average 15 and 10 for the series. <laughs> no, he won't. And so, yeah, yeah, look, you're right. Actually, KD was pretty bad. Nine yeah. of 24, scored 23 points wasn't great but only hit one three only got to the line five times like you expect him to be better so i don't know it's you're right you're dead right they've got no one else though i expect patty to be a bit better than he was uh they obviously were actually patty was 100 percent from the field one of one they um they're missing seth curry as well who you could maybe say it was like the most important piece for Brooklyn in that trade. So yeah, Blake didn't play. Yeah. 
Cam Thomas didn't play. Don't know if he has been playing, but he's a bloody good player. Yeah, very handy. And Simo. Uh, Simo might come back, mate. Oh, that'd be huge. Yeah, we haven't even talked about that. And Rob Williams, like, everyone expects him to be back at some point this series, so. Oh, really? Okay, I wasn't sure. Well, I mean, everyone is probably a bit of an exaggeration, but a lot of popular belief is that he'll be playing by the time the series shifts back to Boston, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, okay. Um, it's going to be a ripper series. On that Kevin Durant uh, scoring point, it is now time for your useless sports by Fry stat of the night. Uh, KD go. has the third highest playoff point per game average ever. Do you reckon you can name the two blokes above him on the list? Does Mike have it? Mike's number one. Elgin Baylor? No. Nah. Good guess. Ooh, I like that. Um, thank you. Uh, Elgin Baylor's 10th for what it's worth. Is it pretty obvious or? Um, Trey Young? Ring? No. Oh, he's, okay. He doesn't count. Didn't win a ring. Nah, I don't know. Malone? I'll give you just a. I'll give you the rest of the top 10. No, it was a bloke that right. we would have watched uh, during our high school years. Jerry West is number four. Donovan Mitchell surprised me at number five, but he's a very small sample size. Sure. And you got LeBron, Rick Barry, Anthony Davis, your mate Devin Booker, and then Elgin Baylor. So. Oh, God. Um, I reckon we both hard. got this bloke's jersey. There's another one for you. Ah. Oh. Ah. Oh. Okay, like Derek, Derek Rose? Or not Derek Rose, but very similar type of player. Uh, I think uh, the, the generation before us is Derek Rose. Fuck, like <laughs> Baron Davis or... <laughs> you got it, know. it's Baron Davis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Who uh, is it? AI, it's Alan Iverson. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Surprised me, but I was like, ah. Oh. Shout out Alan Iverson. Yeah, he was a ball. He was a ball, man. He was such a good scorer. Yeah. Miss AI. Uh, all right. Enough uh, NBA playoff tidbit. Let's try and dive into a bit of uh, AFL talk now. Because I'll tell you go. what, it's a good time to be a Fremantle Doctor talk, fan. Talk your shit. Talk your shit, Fryzy. Nah, I'm not ready to do that yet because we've got. Carlton next week, and then I think the week after that, Geelong in Geelong. So, like we said a couple of weeks oh. ago, or maybe even last week, like let's just pump the brakes a bit. All of a sudden, that but Carl- that Carlton game becomes really interesting. Like very, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if Cripps is back in WA as well. Like, yeah. Mm. Um, mm. but yeah, if you're uh, if you're, I don't know, the Fremantle Dockers are currently sitting second on your AFL 2022 Premiership ladder. And similar vein to what we did with the playoff matchups, I want to do a bit of buy and sell. So there's four teams currently sitting inside the top eight that did make the finals last year. And there's four teams, obviously, on the outs who need to climb their way back up. So I want to know where you kind of stand and if you think that these teams can continue to struggle or some of them are going to bounce back and uh, climb on the ones in the eight, if they can maintain their, uh, their place at the top of the rankings. So I want to start uh, with the Hawthorne Hawks. Mm. Talking about plucky. They stole a very uh, important win against Geelong uh, earlier today, which put them inside the eight jumped Collingwood, which surprised me, but uh, Geelong still sitting in there. 
But Hawthorne is now three and two, which not a lot of people probably saw. I don't know if we tipped him for the spoon, but we didn't exactly give him a lot of confidence rolling into the season. Do you reckon uh, Reckon the Hawks can shock the world? Great culture at that club, great coach by the looks of it in Sam Mitchell. Do you reckon they can maintain their positive uh, form? They, they could. Of course I, they could. Yeah. Well, I mean, the doggies will jump back in, right? So... Oh, yeah, what, what, yeah, what, one, uh, one AFL squad at a time because we'll, we'll talk about the Western Bulldogs. Uh, well, I expect them to jump. I think the Hawks probably fall out. Out looking at the top eight, there. Yeah, I just think, yeah, they're just, I don't know, man. There's something I don't like about them. I don't know what it is. Might be their midfield, might be their forward line. I don't know. I don't know what it is. They're I like exactly- what Sammy Mitchell's done, but I, I, can't see him hanging there. Yeah, I mean, like I said, full credit to them for taking their win out against bloody um, Geelong earlier. But Geelong? the wins they've mm. got include North Melbourne. They pantsed Port Adelaide, who we'll also get to in a bit. Lost to Carlton by one, and then lost to St Kilda by like seventy points. So it's been a very like roller coaster start of the year for the Hawks. Mm. I think that that St Kilda game is what kind of makes me go. Ah, I don't think so. And it's a good segue. They got uh, Sydney and the D's in the next two years, so uh, next two rounds, so probably zero and two there as well. Yeah, Saints uh, nearly deserved to make it last year. Fell just short, uh, and oh, it was the year before that they were just flying, and everyone's like, "Oh, these boys are legit." And then they probably took a step backwards last year, but. I don't think through the early portion of the season anyone saw them sitting as high up on the ladder as they are inside the top four, but you reckon they can hold down a top eight rung? What's the deal with Vax King? I saw him that he was out. Oh, really? It's news to me. No. He, the, it, just, uh, it just said like on the you know, AFL app, said Max King out. Uh, it might so be I, one of those things where he went to the bench well, that was a Gold Coast game. He might have gone bench late or something or like copped a knock and then went to the pine. Um, he did and continues to miss a lot of easy snags. And I don't know, hasn't really cost him a game yet. And we've seen him, he didn't rip the Richmond game away from the Tigers, but he kind of stole momentum against Frio and gave them that win over in WA. So I thought he ripped the game away from the Tigers. Yeah, a bit. I feel like they already had their tails up by the time he started firing. Um, Maybe. But still, yeah, he did. He was definitely a factor in that. So I'm probably underselling is it. There only, is there only loss to the Pies? Uh, St. Kilda, yeah. Four and one, baby. And they should have won that. Like, they should I mean, if you look at the who, what the Pies really are, mm. I'm buying them. I mean, I'm buying them. I like yeah, round where they're at, well. especially when they get Patty Ryder back. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I do love Jack Hayes. I want him to keep getting games for the bloody Saints. but Me too, but I think Paddy Ryder is huge for them. There was a couple of hit-outs. Oh, might have been two weeks. I think it was Paddy Ryder's first game back where he was just like orchestrating like clearances left, right, and center just with like some sick ruck tap. So you're right. He does deserve yeah. to be there, number two. And I think... Yeah, I think I'm also buying St. Kilda. I mean, I love to throw a lot of shade at uh, Tate McLean. Shout out Spudlet, who's a rabid Saints fan. But 
Yeah, I think that they're legit. I mean, their wins are against Richmond, Hawthorne, Gold Coast, and Fremantle. So, whatever. But, Pretty good. But Pretty good. you got to win games to like be in that position, right? you got to win the games that you're meant to win. And they've done that so far. Winning in WA against Frio, who's now second on the ladder, is like a pretty big scalp, really. Bloody oath. Their midfield's really good. Their forward line's really good. You look at like um, Higgins, King. They've got, is Membry still up there floating around? Yep. He's done really well. He's a good well. player. Yeah, good player. Probably underrated player. Um, Cam Ling was going off on him a few weeks ago just about how. Well, Goody is structured, second efforts. Um, Jade Gresham's playing really well. That's who I was. So their forward line's man. great. Jack Billings, I think, still to come back. Mm-hmm. Higgins kicked five on the weekend too. Yeah, Billings just go out back on a wing. Hilly's found a spot back there in the back line. I mean, that's probably their biggest question is their back line, but it's not bad. Like, Dougal Howard's good. Wilkie I quite like. Um, you just need solid defenders back there, right? Like, in a bit of... Bit of drive like Jack Sinclair's having a ripping year. Hilly's yeah. good off that back line. I really like them. I really do. They've done a good job of just building. Hilly's been playing. Um, his magnet's been thrown a bit everywhere. He played forward mm. the last couple of weeks, but I'll tell you who I've been impressed by is Josh Battle. I think he's in the top 10 in the AFL for marks as well at the moment. And he's he looks a bit like James Sicily light, if you ask right. me. Like he's really. Mm. Been, important drive off that back flank Sinclair like you said he's been unreal like fringe all Oz contender at the moment if you ask me Big time. Uh, yeah let's uh, let's address the elephant in the room where do we uh, so we're buying St Kilda we're probably selling Hawthorne where do we sit on the mighty Fremantle Dockers again much like the Saints they've had a bit of a, a lighter schedule to start the year their win yeah. against Adelaide Essendon um, West Coast and GWS, all of them, I'm like, eh, you know, whatever. And then obviously a loss to the Saints, but big, big couple of weeks coming up. They got North after the Carlton Geelong game. And then I think they nearly roll into their bye, but then they got the likes of Gold Coast, Collingwood, the D's, Lions, Hawks. So there's winnable games in that mix, but then there's also some real tests as well. So I was bullish on them as a finals pick to start the season. If you had told me they'd be four and one after five, it'd be pretty chuffed. But do we think that Fremantle can maintain their spot in the top eight? I think if you start four and one, you're a pretty good shot, right? Mm. Like a quarter of the season roughly is gone. So yep. I I really am bullish on them. Like I they're a top four, a genuine top four chance. It looks like the forward line sort of got it together a bit. I mean, let's not read too much into the seven goals for Tab, but, you know, Rory Lobb's a threat. Fife will come back and play up there because he doesn't need to play in the midfield. Let's be honest. Like, I know um, Longmire's... Yeah, he will. Longmire said he's going to be in the midfield, but I I just can't see it. Like, Sarong came back and slotted in seamlessly. Mundy's doing well. Brody's doing well. Um, Gus, uh, Drew Brayshaw's doing, obviously, like, um, you know, he's a top five player in the comp right now. Might be leading the um, Ramlow right now. He or Chris, maybe. to be honest. Yeah, or, I don't know, Baz, Baz Smith maybe. Oh, but um, yeah, Or Petrarca's probably still pretty high. Right. Let's not forget about that bloke. But, yeah, yeah I reckon. The um, are undefeated. That's right. 
Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, Sean Darcy's a ripper. Their back line's getting settled now. Pierce is back. You know, Logue missed out, but he was great last week. Is What's Hamling's deal? Uh, I feel like he's just destined to be, like, banged up most of the year and probably not play. Um, be like, right. I'm pretty sure he was back. Well, don't because one, but round two, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I saw him play this year. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't even matter because Cox is good. You know, um, O'Driscoll is O'Driscoll. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, he looks phenomenal out on the wing. He looks so good. Um, yeah. like I was so surprised with how well he, he sort of worked by foot. Love Me that too, little um, number 32 guy. Oh, no, Frederick's wearing 32. Number 10, is it? Um, Joel something. Nick Walters is Teddy. Um, oh, thinking, damn it. Brandon Walker. Uh, maybe I am. But anyway, I, I love I love their defensive like prowess and how hard they go at it. Um, Hayden Young's great off the back line. Clark, he's fitted in seamlessly. Luke Ryan, Blake Akers is somewhere in the mix. Like he's the list goes on. Moment, oh. Blake Akers. And Heath Chapman looks like a real footy player as well. He does, you know? Yeah. Damn it. Who's this bloke I'm looking for? Oh, um, you're digging for him. Uh, I've been... Must be Walker. Yeah, that's the bloke I'm sure you're talking about. Yeah, he looks great. Even though he didn't get much of the footy, he's just he's, he's a got, got a bit of go about him, I reckon. Yeah. So I'm buying the, the Dockers. I I don't want Heavily. to like, invest too much and sell myself and be like, boys, we're on. We're like top four caliber side and then, and then it's just to be you know nine and 11 towards the pointy end of the season but i feel like longview has done a really good job of kind of building a culture over the last couple of years and i think we're starting to like reap a bit of the rewards like a lot of the boys that we talked about have been on the list for two to three to five years so they've all been like playing together with the exclusion of like geordie clark like trav collier is someone who i probably throw under the bus quite yeah. a bit, but he's been pretty important. Like Swickkowski, everyone laughs at the fact that he's listed as a elite small forward in quotation marks, but he's a great player. Yeah, he is really good. So, yeah, I'm in the same boat. Yeah. I am cautiously optimistic. Uh, go on the record, I do not want to jinx these Fremantle Dockers. So if we lose to Carlton by 48 points, I will uh, retract all these statements and delete this podcast. But, nah, strong times at the uh, the Purple Haves. And you got a lot of guys who can come in as well, like Hughes, Tucker didn't play, Fife's obviously sub-8. coming back. Yeah. yeah, man, there's you guys are in a really good spot. It, it it all comes down to can those two big fellas kick goals, but if they can, you're laughing. And Mick Walters has been like pretty atrocious to start the year. I don't know what's going on with that dude, but I know. What was up with him, man? There's a couple of set because I watched three quarters of that game and there was got so the many yips. times yeah where he got the ball in like a goal kicking position and i'd be like chalk it up six points and like leave or stop watching come back and i'm like oh why why are they kicking in what's going on out on the fools and yeah, yeah man he's really he's in his head yeah very like you said very intriguing clash coming up uh with the carlton blues who are the last yeah. squad sitting inside the top eight that weren't there last year we did, I kind of tried to pump the brakes on them a bit earlier, but I think I'm now also buying the Blues 
I mean, it's a lot of blokes that we've said there's three teams that are in the eight at the moment that weren't there last year. But we've also said for, I don't know, as long as we've done this podcast, there hasn't really been, with the exception of the Tigers in the last five years, a team that's established themselves as like a perennial threat. We go through so many waves. It's such a like wide open comp. So I'm not surprised to see that we've got three teams sitting in the top eight that we're like, yep, we'll expect them to be there at the end of the year. Uh, do you reckon the Blues finish higher than St. Kilda and Frio? No. No. Huh? See, I no, but they'll finish in the top eight. I think they will finish in the top eight as well. And it's probably not a lot. Um, that's, we talked about Mitchie McGov switch down back. They've got pretty lethal. Uh, well, the bloke that won the Coleman in Harry Mackay. But I think Charlie Kuno is looming as like a not X factor. I know probably the 10th time we've used it tonight, but a real difference maker for Carlton. Like if he's up and about and firing and can kick 40 goals this year, there's nothing keeping them out of the eight. Yeah, they look, they look great. I'll be honest. I thought they were fantastic. I mean, they sort of let Port Adelaide back into that one. But, you know, while she was on fire, um, their midfield is, that's really bloody deep. Um, I'm just trying to think who else they've got up forward. You know, you got set a field off like a half forward flank. Jack Martin looked lively. Yeah, Corey um, Durden, a bit of a sneak. Yeah, I guess... I would like to see like one more big fella up there and I'm sort of looking through their list now. I don't know if there is anyone other than the sort of the big two. Yeah. But you know what? Line, but... You can always throw old Mitchie McGovs up forward like Adam Hunter style, you know, if you yeah. need to. And yeah. Mackay just looked unstoppable in the first half of the game and he sort of won the match with that big clunk he took. Um, I'm buying them heavy. I'm not buying them more. Than the Saints or Brio, though. Okay. Yeah, that. Yeah. All of a sudden, like you, I think it's now the fifth time I've mentioned it, but that Frio Carlton game. Didn't think round six that'd be the, the headliner, but it might be. No one did. No way. All right. The doggies. Are they bouncing back into the eight? Because they are off oh, yeah. a very interesting start. No, they're fine. Yeah, I agree. I don't really want to belabor the point too much. They're only just sitting outside the eight. They're two and three. I think they've still kicked oh, like the fifth most, or they've got the fifth most points scored so far this season, something along those lines. So, yeah, I expect Keith, them to. Keith get... is important for them to get back. When he's back, they're fine. Alex Keith. Oh, true. Yeah, he is pretty important. Um, yep. What about the Essendon Bombers who have now. No, they're fucked. Down the table? Shocking. They're bad. I think that. Lost to Frio, like there was, it was very, very unfamiliar terms. Uh, watching Fremantle kick six goals, three to two points in a quarter, but I was like, man, the didn't they kick ten straight? They might have, honestly, but the Bombers just looked second rate. Like there wasn't a lot of intensity. They were like running on the outside a lot, and I was like, man, like these guys might be cooked. It, they're just too young. Too many of those young fellas, man. Like, um. What's that tall fella's name? Not Draper, but the other one, number thirteen. Nick Cox. It might be Cox. Yeah, I'm just probably getting him confused. But yeah, Nick Cox, too young. Archie Perkins, too young. Like yeah, great Cox players. Like, yeah, he played good actually, didn't he? Did fantasy fantasy uh, sneaky, but um, yeah, look, they're too young. They're missing their best player, Zach Merritt. They're in trouble. They got no one to kick goals. Like who is who is kicking goals for them? 
to me. Peter Wright. Mate. He's a good player, but take nah, it away. They're, they're in trouble, man. Yeah. And Rutten might be in trouble too, I think. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting call because oh, what was it like three years ago we were looking at him, maybe two, on paper, and we we're like, you were saying that you expect them to soar. And I was like, oh, yeah. I kind of agree with you. And when they added Jake Kelly in the offseason from Adelaide, I was like, oh, well, there's another yeah. lockdown defender. Fuck, they might like make some noise this year. But my God, they've looked, yeah, abysmal to start the year. And again, you shouldn't really, I mean, <laughs> a defense is definitely the Dockers calling card. You shouldn't really be have like rings run around you. But similar deal, they played Frio, who might be good this year. They played the Lions, they played Melbourne, and then they lost to Geelong. So Essendon has had some like tough teams to start the year, but I don't think a cushier schedule is going to change anything. Uh, they just don't have enough midfield go. Uh, even with Merritt back, they just don't have it in there. So The loss of uh, Ollie Wines meant that Port Adelaide has less of a midfield go as well, and they're right underneath. Oh, actually, there might be another team in the middle who I'll talk about in a bit, but they're 0-5 at the moment, the good old uh, Port Adelaide. Yeah. Last week we were saying it's okay, you know. Owen four does they need to win against Carlton? There's a big match at the G. Uh, Aliyah Lear came back, and they didn't. You reckon we can draw a line through Port Adelaide for the rest of 2022? Really, it seems like it's going to be really hard to fight their way back. Although I will oh, say, five, like Rosie got going, Butters was great, and he has been good. Like Dan Houston got going. Like Eamon didn't get his hands on the ball, but had 10 tackles. Like their young players were good. It just felt like they were, um, you know, the first half really hurt Port. And it was, they just couldn't figure out Mackay, right? Like because Alir Alir was playing on him and therefore couldn't do his usual role where he sort yeah. of glides off and intercepts. I think that really hurt him. So, uh, it's going to be hard to come back. I still don't think they're as bad as they've, what they play. you know. Yeah, I, th- I mean, who have they played? They just had an up and about Carlton. The D's they lost to. That. They got smacked. By, well, they only lost. They didn't lose by that much to the D's. The D's didn't score that much. Yeah, but they, they lost that. Make a goal in the first half of that game. Yeah, I like, know that. That's but still, the D's only scored sixty-eight points. Um, the Crows got them on the siren. They lost to Brizzy in Brizzy in round one, and then round two was a bad loss to the Hawks. So, look, they've had a tough run, and I think they've had that big injury to Aaliyah, which really hurt them. Ollie Wines, the best player on their list, when you think about it, is out. So, still, I'm just not, I'm not like worried about them, but it's coming back from 0 5 is. I don't know. Has anyone ever done it? I'm not sure. Probably not. I think I read earlier it was the worst statistical start to their season, win-loss record, like, ever. But yeah, yeah, I'm was. in the same boat. I'm like, mm, it doesn't look great at 0-5, but I also feel like they're okay. They got you boys this week, so that'll be a very intriguing matchup. Mm, um, yeah. <laughs> but I tell you what, the team that I am perhaps out on the most and the one that I've saved to last is the GWS Giants. Wow. They just yeah. seem to be on autopilot at the moment. They got slammed by Melbourne. Was that Friday night? 
can't remember. Nah, it was a bit some point. Week. Anyway, um, they beat Gold Coast in very unconvincing fashion. Then Richmond took care of them. Sydney took care of them. We took care of them. So like solid teams, but not exactly like with the exception of the D's last round, world beaters. They got St. Kilda up next. Then they got. I mean, but who is world? Who are the world beaters this year, though? Well, you're right. Like it is a bit topsy turvy, with the exception of the D's. It seems again wide open across the board. But yeah, I don't know. I'm still just not buying any giant stock. And if I had it, I'd be just cutting my losses and getting rid of it. Leon Cameron, great coach, on paper, great squad, but it just seems like they're bit lost they're not finding their mojo and they're just really struggling at the moment yeah uh, it's that you just yeah uh exactly. that's pretty much how the giants exactly. are let's be honest yeah. it's understanding like where the fix is is not it's like you can't tell where, 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 what do they have to fix it's their midfield's great like they've got tough in and in and close guys they've got outside runners their back line's good i mean phil davis went down didn't he yeah, that's a big loss. He's a skip, that hurts. Too, right? Like, or one of them. So, yeah, no, he's not, is he? Not he lose it. Isn't it Cogs and someone else? Oh, you're right. It's Cogs, Green, and Josh Kelly. Yeah. So, I mean, losing him's huge, but I, I just don't know what the answer is for them. And I bet Leon Cameron's scratching his head, and he's right in the hot seat. His seat's getting real warm. Mm-hmm. Seat warm. The seat warms are on, mate. It's thirty degrees up in Sydney right now. On top Boiling of that, point. so he's he's feeling hot under the collar. But I mean, Toby Green coming back this week might make a difference. He's a real barometer for them. But yeah, I I could see them getting going. Let's be honest; like they we they say it's been said a lot. They're a Rolls Royce yeah. kind of team, you know. So probably means they're a bunch of front runners. But if they can get running and they can get rolling, maybe. They've got enough firepower. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, see, you look at their team, and like you said, there's no glaring holes on their list, so there's no issues, but they're still playing like shit. So they might be able to catch lightning in a bottle and revert their form and start surging up the ladder. But, yeah, I weirdly have a bit more confidence in a team like Port Adelaide or the Dogs, who, you know, the Dogs probably have just as impressive a list and are playing average as Mm. well, but Port, you know, they've got their glaring weaknesses and are just struggling to find their mojo. But I don't know. I'm just very, very out on GWS at the moment. I felt that way in the yeah. preseason and I just I, yeah, can't can't get behind them. I don't expect them to jump into the eight, but I could see it happening. Yeah. Hey, as long as uh, Lockie Whitfield, Stephen Cornelio and uh, the fraternity keep scoring fantasy points, I'm not uh, not too bummed with what GWS does. That's it. Um, those boys have been going good. Let's say, yeah. I was. Let's 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 pivot. Let's get into the fantasy. The pivot. The faithful uh, sports by Fry listeners who have made it this far are obviously here for the fantasy nuggets. So mm. let's give them a bit. Have you seen the uh, the new dual position players? I've had a little look. It doesn't seem like there's you know too many to write home about. I was pretty interested in um, the Zork, but he was always mm. going to get it. Up back, um, up forward. Who else was there? Timmy English, is he new? Nah, he already had it. There's a couple of characters who I reckon. Oh, Lukey Parker? Yeah, in like draft. Like he, Luke Parker got forward status. So did good old Pat Lipinski. Uh, Zachy Butters is now mid forward, which is 
no real surprise. But I think the yeah. the real handy one for fantasy coaches will be a lot of those rookies. So like Nick Dacos. Martin is now mid forward. Dacos is mid defender. Tristan Cherry is a forward ruck. Uh, Thank God he got ruck. Yeah, Thank very God. handy. Very handy. Couple of uh, bench blokes, uh, Jackson Mead from Port and Connor McDonald from Hawthorne. They both added forward status. So literally my two midfield bench blokes, very chuffed with that. Mm. So a couple yeah. of them just, just allow you to do a lot more pivoting and trade-wise. And like having those two positions just really does boost a lot of potential trade pieces. Bloody oath. Yep. That's I all think, I've got to add to that. Yeah, I think... <laughs> Zorko's probably the only one. I'm just looking at the list now. There's nothing really else writing home about, but Zorko's probably the only reckon, one that I'm like, oh, I want to get that bloke now. I think Luke Parker for me. Yeah. In draft, sure, but he's been very hot and cold so far this year. Like he had 120 on the weekend, but with the exception of that, he's only, well, round one, he had about the same when he kicked five snags, but he hasn't gone over 80 other than that. So. I'm not surprised to see him get it, but I want to see a little bit more consistency before I start investing as well. Uh, and fair enough too, but I reckon he's definitely one. Like I've, I've got one more, to be honest, I've got a full forward line other than Cherry. And mm. so I'm kind of like, well, who's that last, last bloke? I'm not sold on Duncan. I'm not sold on, you know, or Heaney would be the other one. Heaney or English, to be honest, chuck them there. But, um, Lukey Parker might be that six bloke, you know. And he's probably a bit well, let me see. He's seven hundred and fifty K, so he's he's not super expensive. Like you could pivot and make a couple of moves he, to get someone up to him. And he might drop a bit, you know, he might just have a weird start and then they just be like, oh, hang on, we need you in the guts, you know, like yeah, Errol Goulden's not playing as well or whoever. Chad Warner. He's he's one of those champions we've talked about for years. I get so so overlooked. He gets disrespected in fantasy, Luke Parker. He does. Yeah, I've always been so a, anyway. a Lukey Parker fan. His uh, birthday is about two mm. weeks before mine, which uh, puts a bit things into context. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm about the same age as Luke Parker. What have I done no. with my life? Uh, not as much as Luke Parker, <laughs> right? Hey, Luke Parker doesn't have a thriving podcast. <laughs> yeah, you best believe that's true. Um, yeah, fuck you, yeah. Luke Parker. <laughs> I might bring him in now, actually. Now I think about <laughs> And ladies uh, and gentlemen, Luke Parker's joining. Yeah, special guest of the Sportsby pod. Yeah. yeah, I think the dual position is the rookies who added another position. That's the real, real handy bit. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to, speaking of my specific team, don't know if I'm going to flick Dacos straight back because I got Will Day last week. Oh, sorry, week before, got concussed, but then kept him. Because I was like, oh, hopefully he can get back after that Easter clash. So I'm still playing Dacos in my midfield, and I'll probably just bring Will Day back onto the uh, the deck. So I don't have any rookies in the back line. Uh, was very ready. I flicked to, him straight back. Yeah, don't blame you. Was very ready to cut and cull Hayden Young, but bloke then. I mean, it was against Essendon, so grain of salt. But bloke had ninety on the weekend, so I'm like, mm, I'm good. Right. You yeah. can hang around. I good. Uh, but I think I'm. I think I'm poised to do a bit of a double downgrade this week. Like I don't have enough cash to make that jump up. Last week I flipped Matty Crouch and Matty Rowell into Jack Steele and got good old Hugh Dixon for the coasters. Oh yeah. But 
I okay. tell you what, I'm starting to look a little bit at buy structure, and the one bloke I want in my back line is Alex Witherden. Really need Man, a 13er. playing good. He's playing and pretty like, good. He's getting numbers. Just the sickest fantasy floor. He's getting between 90 and 100 every week, getting his like 20-ish yeah. kicks. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very bullish on him. What's uh, what's Quasplorkin's moves looking like early on in the piece? You got anything in the chamber? Uh, it'll probably be a crouch trade out. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm thinking I'll probably go, probably Ward out. I think it's his time. Even though he was all right, the weekend just gone. But if I can, if there's a, like a debutant, you know, 190 bloke who's named, I'll just go straight to Ward and then chuck all that money on Crouchy and hopefully bring in a slightly underpriced midfielder. I'm just having a look now. Like, I don't know. I could maybe get, I could maybe get to McRae. Let's be honest. I, I, I'd probably have too many. Um, or Clay Toss McOliver's a bit underpriced right now. Walsh yeah. is underpriced. I've got my eyes on both those blokes. Yeah. And I think I've got both of them. I do. I've got both of them favorite, favorited. Um, it would, might be too many giants, but grabbing Tommy Green is still probably a good option, man. Like, he's a bloody good player. Um, so, yeah, something like that. It'll be a one up, one down, and it'll be Crouch crouch going. I mean, you got rid of Crouch last week. You brought in fucking Jack Steele last week. Yeah. What did Steely get you this week? 112 as the uh, Rolls-Royce on debut, so can't complain. You, you take that. You take Captained that. him. Yeah. I was like, yep, I have to captain this bloke. I'm all aboard this train. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's probably roughly what I'm doing. Um, and it's all dependent on selection. I didn't trade out Cripper. Oh, that was going to be my next question. Yeah, okay. Didn't trade Cripper out, so hoping he comes back. Held on to Prusy. So, yep. so it sh- and I And I still had a pretty good week. I think, I've, think I fell in rankings, but I think everyone had a pretty good week, obviously. Um, but them coming back in, plus I can upgrade Crouchy. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling pretty good. Getting a midfield upgrade like I did last week is always a good feeling. Like just to reel them off, I had my like top five midfielders because I count Adam Trelaw as one of them. He's sitting in my M5 spot now. They got rid of Rowley, but okay. Brayshaw, 123. McRae, 119. Neil, the same. Steele, 112. Trelaw, 109. Like, that's uh that's what you want to see in your midfield. So yeah, flipping one of those blokes like a crouchy and going up is always a good feeling. I reckon, like I said, I probably don't have enough bank to chase someone like that. I could almost, if I go Josh Ward down to Sam Hayes, Port Adelaide Ruckman, I can nearly get Will Day or Hayden Young up to one of those elite backmen, like a Jaden Short or an Alex Witherden, but I'm just out of reach. So I'll probably do a double down. I reckon I'll grab Ben Hobbs, who we talked about a bit before, had a good dab boo. I reckon mm-hmm. Wardy's time's come. I'll make a hundred grand there and then I don't know, maybe chop like a Sam Skinner out if he doesn't play again to get Sam Hayes and then Sam Skinner. Sam fucking Skinner. And then if I do that, I've got hang on, one, two, three, four. I've got five blokes that I can roll through that second ruck spot. Brucey, Hayes, Jerry, good old Vico. So I'll probably keep the majority of them through the buys or a couple of yeah. them at least. Um, but yeah, the boys are in good spot. Boys are in good spot. 
And everyone's just got to be ready for Tuke to bottom out as well. Uh, he's not. <clears throat> he probably won't get a one forty-seven next week, but it's not how then it's it, then everyone's then everyone goes on to Miller watch. Don't know, oh, really. Like his <laughs> when I was watching him, I think it was round two. He had his like one sixty or something. I was like, right, like pivot everything you were thinking of doing next week. Like get Tuke Miller. <laughs> yeah. What did he have in? When was that? Oh, yeah, against the Ds too, Jesus. He was good, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully we can uh, we can see A-grade Took return to form, but I would, <laughs> wouldn't oh, complain if he did dip a bit in price. I just can't wait to get him, man. I've, we've wanted him for <laughs> like for three years in a row, man. I nearly pulled it two or three years ago, and then he just went mental last year, and I was like, Fuck, I nearly got him like the week yeah, he started his ascent. <laughs> and I didn't. And I sh- should have just listened to my heart. I should have listened to my like, heart. I swear it was two. against you boys to start last year. He had like a 60 or something. And we were like, oh, yeah, oh we dodged a bullet there. And then I don't reckon he dipped under 100 after that. Eh? He mustn't have, man. He, uh, anyway, and the first few weeks, I feel like, but he did have that 60. But just we should have just mind. done it. Nah, man. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what's your so, yeah. most importantly before we wrap up? What's your sports by fry rank at the moment in the league? Where yet? Oh, um, league overview. Man, I'd say I'm not in it. <laughs> Did you leave it again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, okay. Here we go. Uh, it's not telling me, so I'll no, get back right. to you on that one. I'll see if I can keep scrolling while I'm uh, yarning because I want to give a special uh, special shout-out to the Super Crouch Bros, Jimmy Elms, mm. who's uh, another Dream Team Talk writer, currently sitting fourth overall on top of the Sports by Fry League. Wow. Big Lock Pethic's doing well. Shout-out to yeah. Lock if he still yeah. listens to this. He was going to be next. Uh, the next shout-out. Actually, hey, while, while, we're on the, uh, while we're on the train, we did brush over it very briefly, but I want to give a special shout out this evening to Ooh. Two Grab Tab for his seven snags. Because I tell you what, every time he plucked that footy or juggled it and then took it the second time, I had yeah. utter confidence that he was going back and slotting a goal. Snapped on his right, snapped on his left, kicked it dire- like directly in front from 50. Yeah, I was very high on Tab. The first bloke since Pav, I reckon, as a key forward who I've had confidence in lining up for goals. So... He's probably the first bloke who's who's kicked um, seven since Pav. He is since uh, 2012. There's a couple of others because I did the uh, Sports by Fire research earlier. You got your Paul Medhursts and Tony Modras and a couple of Hayden Ballantyne bags of six. But Paul Medhurst was pretty good in his day, wasn't he? Yeah, I did love a bit of Paul Medhurst. Uh, I reckon Ben Hobbs deserves a bit of a shout out for his debut as well. Not even just from a fantasy standpoint, but I reckon that that bloke's going to have a very similar career to Andy Brayshaw. He'll be skippering the Dons wow. six years from now. Yep, I reckon Wow. three years or so from now, you watch Dill Shield retire or end up on his third club. A, a spot will open somehow in that midfield and Hobbsy will start lighting it up. Okay. Uh, no, I can't last, find where I'm at in this bloody league. Uh, that's right. Last shout out because I've got a couple up my sleeve. And it's the end of the Cleveland Cavaliers season. So I'm, I want to give a special 
shout out to <laughs> Kevin Love. Because in the preseason, uh, he was good. I would have traded really that good. bloke for a bag of fucking twisties. And he yeah. he's a sixth man of the year finalist and deserves all the credit he's going to get. Probably he's got one more year in his contract, so he'll probably play it out and then depart. But that's okay. He's done his job. And he's uh that's all right. He's definitely, yeah, redeemed himself in my eyes. So shout out to Caleb as well. I'm 184th. Hey, we got there. Yeah. So no, I, fuck I that league. The, I cracked the top 50. So I was uh I was up and about and then slid back to 50th overall after a late handball from Tom Mitchell. So good on you, Tom. Yeah. Fantastic. I was going to start the season with him. Instead, picked Andy Brayshaw. So. Let's have Maybe I'm in a different sports by Fry. Oh, sorry. I'm looking. Anyway, just forget, forget it. Don't worry about it. Now you're 118th now, mate. It's on the record. The wheels are falling off. <laughs> yeah, it's getting late. We better wrap this thing up. Uh, lovely Monday shit down. I reckon, yeah, same time, same place next week. Uh, yeah, hopefully with a GSFL win under the, the belt to tell everyone about. Mm-hmm. It'll be Anzac Day next Monday. We'll be able to wrap up another mm-hmm. round of fantasy footy. Uh, hopefully talk about the Nugs. What will they be? About game four-ish? Uh, Three, four? Yeah, about game four. Yeah, Call it game yeah. four. Hope, let's say that they're, they're two all at this point. That'd be nice. That would be nice. Oh, mate. I'd be fucking... Feeling on top of the world if that was the case. Jokic will have his second MVP under his belt. All will be right in the world. Well, that doesn't get announced till like June, though, does it? Oh, it's usually, you're right. It's usually like second round, all the awards get announced, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Another Ripper episode. Thanks for joining, JLo. Uh, till next time, ship you, Winnie. Ship you, Winnie.